Our epistle lesson is 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 13 through 23. Hear now God's words for you. Therefore, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as He called you to be holy, be holy yourselves in all conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy as I am holy. If you invoke as Father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during this time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with the perishable things like silver and gold but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the age for your sake. Through Him you have come to trust God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and your hope are set in God. Now that you have purified your souls by obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not from perishable but imperishable seed, through the living and enduring Word of God. This is the Word of the Lord. Are you surprised when we read a text like this, or maybe troubled when we read a text like this, and it refers to us as holy people. I don't know how you feel, but most days I don't feel, nor to my shame do I act especially holy. How about you? In fact, if I tell you the absolute truth... I'm not very comfortable with this idea of holiness at all, either for the individual or in some ways for the church. Call me a skeptic. Call me the doubting Thomas that you heard from Shane's sermon last week. But I've been around the church all my life. I've breathed the same air that you've breathed. And quite frankly, I find an awful lot in us that's a little lacking. And that's especially true for me. So you understand the question mark about holy people. Will Willimon was a bishop in the United Methodist Church. He was also dean of the chapel at Duke University. And he tells one time of a young seminarian who came to him and was explaining as he asked the question, why are you going to seminary? And she said, well, I grew up in the church and I was always surrounded by such loving, holy people and I wanted to be a minister in the church and work with those same kind of loving people all my life. And Willimon, without thinking of more than a little sarcasm, said, have you ever been around the church? As I said, I have been a part of the church before my first conscious moment. I felt God's call to ministry while I was still in high school. I went to college knowing I was going to seminary. I've now got almost 37 years in four different churches, including this one. And while I love the church, 
And I love the people of the church. When I look out on the church, I don't see a whole lot of holiness. Do you? Now, don't get me wrong. As I said, I love the church. And I have seen the church when it is at its best. And I suspect you have too. The church that stood up and reached out and healed and made a difference and enacted change. And people were better and more fulfilled and healed. But I've seen the other side of the church too. The church, like my own self, can go from what seems to be generosity and caring to the depth of meanness, all in the drop of a hat. And I suspect you've experienced some of that too. This idea of being a holy people is not one that really fits the synapses of my brain. How about yours? In point of fact, most of us find the word holy has little direct linkage in our lives. We've become accustomed somewhat to this idea of spiritual values. There's a lot of talk about that in our society. But holiness still seems pretty foreign to us. And yet the Scripture makes it clear that the concept for Christians is not this amorphous term and there's a lot of them, but moral values that we hear on TV, but something way more difficult called holiness. A good many people are fearful of such a word because the truth is we've all been around the holier-than-thou folk and they're awfully hard to take. And sometimes, in my experience, they're pretty lacking in basic human kindness too. And yet, the point of fact is, if you've been around very long and if you've had any time in the New Testament, you know that Jesus had a great deal to say about things like holiness and righteousness. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of, the, into the kingdom of heaven. And in this case, righteousness is exactly the same word as holiness. Remember, the scribes and the Pharisees were, after all, really good moral people. You would have found they made really good members of your country club, if you're part of a country club. They would be hardworking employees. You would love to have them work in your company. They were morally correct. They obeyed the law. They probably paid their taxes to the penny. And they voted in all the elections if there really were elections for them to vote in. Now, I can say all those good things, but I can also tell you, you probably would not have cared for them being members of your church so much. Because they would have tended to run things and make life hard on the rest of us. Because we don't measure up to their exacting moral standards. And yet Jesus says, unless our righteousness exceeds theirs, we're in trouble. Holiness is a whole lot harder than we thought it was, isn't it? And maybe, maybe, just a little different than we imagined. So maybe we say, okay, well, holiness is good for the super-Christians. 
the Pope is supposed to be holy. I suspect you're sitting there saying, yeah, and pastors are supposed to be holy. And if that's what you're thinking, um, at least in the traditional sense, I hate to burst your bubble. But this one's not terribly holy a large chunk of the time. But the Bible says it differently. The Bible says something different about the way we understand holiness. Holiness is not a state of being we achieve. It's not a state of moral perfection or sinlessness. It is rather a gift from God that is made visible as we make life choices. A mouthful. Many Christians find the injunction to be holy as God is holy to be objectionable, but then we find this idea that we're called to be saints objectionable. And yet, what do we say being a Christian means? It means to be a saint, a believer. In the Gospel of Matthew Jesus uses the word, be you perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And in that case, he is simply substituting the word perfect for this idea of holy. And that is equally offensive to us because how can any of us expect to be perfect? We can't even be righteous, let alone holy, and perfection just seems to be, you know, we grade those things. But the New Testament is not so interested in putting a, a measuring stick of the first you're this, then you're this, then you're this. The English word for perfect really comes from a Latin word that means to carry through. The Greek word that is used in Matthew is to make complete, to finish up. It does not carry this idea of complete moral perfection. Now, it may be that we've tried way too hard to read our society's notions into perfect and into holy and what they mean or what we think they mean. The Greek word for perfect, the Greek word for holy as it's used in the New Testament almost never carries this idea that you must be morally perfect because you're not and I'm not and we're never going to get there. It's not possible. To be holy in the New Testament sense means that we have been called, we have been set apart to behave and to live differently. Not some perfection out there, but to live differently from others because we recognize we are a part of the kingdom. We are members of this new kingdom that begins here on earth and extends throughout eternity. This may come as a surprise, but in many ways, Christians are not supposed to be necessarily morally superior to everybody else. That's not what we have been taught, is it? We have simply been set apart from the commonplace to a higher calling. It's the same way we use the word saints. It means to be a Christian. To be holy is a person of faith is to know that in every moment and in every task, it is a gift that God gives us 
as we strive to demonstrate what it means to live in the kingdom. It doesn't mean we're superior. Oh, how the church needs to hear often, it doesn't mean we're superior. There are a lot of folks who are moral out there. It's not that we shouldn't strive to be better. Of course we should. But God has called us and empowered us to live our lives in ways that reflect the kingdom. And that's what we're talking about when we start to talk about holiness. I think so often within the church, we hear the word holy, and it starts to come across as a negative because, first of all, as we've already said, you can't achieve it or you fear you can't achieve it. But secondly, it's going to take away all my fun. How am I ever going to be able to enjoy some of the things I used to enjoy if I'm supposed to be in the midst of this holy living? But holiness isn't intended to be a negative. It is living in the light of Easter. It's simply living in the light of resurrection. And yes, it's a challenge, but it's a glorious challenge. preacher is sorely tempted at this point to pull some lovely, powerful images from the great saints of the church and tell you to go and do likewise. I can give you some of those. Would you like some of those kind of stories? I mean, we know them. You've heard them. But it seems to me that what we really need is to understand there are some everyday things that any of us can live with. You see, we tend to let this living out of faith slip into the humdrum. We start to act as if, well, it really won't make a difference if I don't do it this time. But nothing can be further from the truth. If you are a parent, if you are a grandparent of a young child or maybe a teen, every time you take time to pray with that child, every time you read or tell a Bible story with that child, you are making a profound difference. No, you can't measure it, but you're making a difference. Children are most frequently steeped in the faith, surely not by what the preacher says, because kids don't often listen to that very much, but by their parents and by that ongoing example that you give. If you have a teenager living in your house, then every time together you make a decision about what is acceptable in this case and what isn't, you're making a difference. Every time you help a child not to become a bully online, you've made a difference. Every time a student decides that they refuse to take the easy way out in school because everybody else is, they're making a difference. As adults, we make a difference every day in the life of our work, in our business, or wherever we are when we choose to behave in ways that act out the faith. We really know what those are, don't we? when we treat people with kindness and caring, when we don't cheat other folks, when we give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. 
We make the assumptions that the little things we do in our lives don't make a difference. But I'm going to argue that they make a powerful, powerful difference. Over the last, oh gosh, many years now, I'm sorry to say, we've all been a part of or seen from a distance and sometimes closer the tragedy of these mass murders that have occurred around our country. You know the names. We can talk about Sandy Hook or Columbine or Red Lake or Virginia Tech. And there's a host of others. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for violence in our culture. And yet I will submit to you that for all of those you've heard about, there are twice as many that never happened. They could have, but never happened. Because some child, some fellow student, some teacher, some administrator saw a problem and reached out to do something about it. Now, maybe they never even said the name of Jesus. But if they are Christian people living out a Christian life, I promise you, Jesus stands in the background of everything. Never underestimate the impact your life can have on somebody else. You do not know, you can never fully appreciate the impact you've already had. Now, I don't want to go down this trail very far, but before you do, I'll try to stop you. Don't say, oh my God, what have I done in all the negatives? You could go down that way, couldn't you? No. We've all done things that were a bad example. Today is not the day to worry about those things. We're a forgiven people. We're an Easter people. Today is the day to remember the things that have been the positive and to focus on doing that continually down into the future. Holy living simply means that we recognize our life isn't our own. We belong to God. Because God not only made us, but God redeemed us. And we're not called to a boring humdrum. We are called to live a life that is really filled with adventure for other folks in ways that make a powerful difference. Maybe we can ignore it for a while. But somewhere deep down inside, something stirs that says we are worthy of the calling as daughters and sons of God Almighty. It's to our great shame that the church who bears the name of Christ continues to live as if it didn't make any difference. It does make a difference. The New Testament says we are in the world but not of the world. And the way we live and act can make a difference for people. Is it difficult? Of course it's difficult. Who said it was easy? It's impossible for mere mortals like us, but it's not impossible with a Redeemer. Christian living is not for the lazy or for the indifferent. It is for those who know God has put great strength within us that we can draw upon in those times of need. So holiness is not as the world thinks of holy. 
It is defined in the New Testament as people who are set apart, who are different, who are called to make a difference in all the little ways we can make a difference. Nobody else may ever know. You may never know. You do not know what lives you are touching even now. So let's don't cringe from holy. I know it's hard to take that for ourselves. But don't cringe from the word holy. It belongs to you because God through Jesus Christ says it belongs to you. We are a holy in spite of ourselves. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.